What is up, everybody? Thank you for joining me on the latest Morecast, part of the CSG and MHS Network. I'm, of course, your host, Jeff Morton. With me today, I've got um, um, the the grand poobah of Denver Nuggets coverage on Mile High Sports. Um, I think I got that correct. And uh, he is uh, he has uh, been on first making his first appearance for a while. Um, and it's my friend Ryan Blackburn. Hello, Ryan. Hi Jeff, uh, good to talk to you. I, you know, Gil calls me the Grand Poobah at a at, at Mile High Sports as well. No, whenever I go on his show, that. which I think is pretty funny. Um, it's uh, it's just just a thing now. Now we can I can be the Poobah just as long as long as I'm not the Poomba. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know what, it, um, Ryan, we got to give him some credit. He's on injured reserve right now, so we're uh, <laughs> we're he's powering through. So I I appreciate his appearance on the the old Morecast today. But uh, uh, first of all, we got guess I guess. People have been clamp, clamp, you know, champing at the bit to uh, hear my take on the Kyrie Irving uh, trade to uh, um, Dallas. And uh, first, I want to get your take. Um, that came, the trade came as a surprise. It was really quick. Run was like within days of him being demanding being traded. So, uh, when you saw that go down and uh, what Dallas gave up, what were your initial thoughts about how that went down? Uh, well, like everybody, I thought it was very quick. I thought this was a surprising move uh, just because I didn't actually think that it would get done for anybody other than the Lakers. I thought that yeah. it, it it was, you kept getting the sense that that's where he wanted to go and he's got a, an expiring contract. So it, to me, it seems like he's eventually going to end up in LA, but for Dallas, I, I'm not really surprised that they felt the need to make a move like this because they were yeah. stuck in the mud. They, they had nothing really going for them other than Luca and, I know that they have been willing to take chances in the past. This is, I think, as clearly of a chance as you could possibly take on this season. But there's no doubt. Like, Kyrie's an all-star starter for a reason. He's really talented. He's really effective with the ball. And we're going to see what happens when you put him next to a, a major ball handler like Luka. But I think it's a it's a ceiling play, and it makes sense against a lot of teams. Against the Nuggets, I'm not sure it makes a lot of sense when they when those two teams match up in the playoffs if they do. But uh, I I would be if if I were another team like a Warriors or a Suns or a team like that, I would be a little bit worried. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because I, my my view of this trade is that it doesn't affect the Nuggets insofar as the Nuggets already had an, uh, trouble with Luca, and I don't know I don't know necessarily how that affects the Nuggets dynamic with uh, the Dallas Mavericks. Um, I will say that, um, you know, the, the Dallas, the Mavericks have needed a secondary guy and look, if we're going to draw a, a comparison, um, obviously Kyrie played with LeBron James for four years in, uh, um, uh, Cleveland and clearly that team was worked okay because the most similar comparison we can have to Luka Doncic is Michael Jordan, not Michael Jordan. Fuck. That is a, that is a Freudian slip. <laughs> it is LeBron James. And so obviously that scenario paints itself. And similarly, I think, I think Luka is more similar at this point to James Harden than uh, LeBron in 2015. But 
uh, I hate the word heliocentric because it's it's a it's a made up word. So I'm going to go with what we used to talk about back in back in the olden days, which was just ball dominant. Right. And when you have someone who is a ball dominant guy having a guy who also requires, I mean, it, it, Kyrie doesn't require the ball as he's not he's not like that but he is also very creative and he's best when he has the ball in his hands so um i am i'm going to be interested when to see how this dynamic plays out with dallas but for this particular year if he doesn't end up staying in uh dallas or if he ends up staying there eventually i'm i'm, I'm curious to see how it evolves but as of right now i just it takes so long for this to mesh and i just don't see it doing it in time to make it be a factor this year for the mavericks yeah i mean this is one of those things i think that they'll probably try to stagger those guys a little bit and and, and make sure that one of them is on the court at all times and if you've got luca out there for we'll say 35 minutes and then Kyrie's out there for the other 13 just doing his thing there will be some times where those guys, they they can create for themselves, they can create for teammates, but don't necessarily have to share the ball with each other during that time. That's the good thing about like what Dallas had last year with Jalen Brunson and Spencer Dinwiddie and uh, the crew that went to the Western Conference Finals was they, they had a guy like a Brunson who just was able to carry that load when Luke was off the floor or didn't always have to have Luca handling the ball during that time. So I get the theory. I get the I get the idea. For a lot of reasons, I wouldn't be trying to add Kyrie to my team right now, but I just think that there's there's a good theory behind what the offense is going to look like. I mean, it's I think like you said, it's it's going to be unstoppable in a lot of different ways because when you have two guys who can create for themselves like that, that makes things easier for everybody else in the playoffs. Yeah, it does. And it's going to be interesting to see how this evolves um i'm curious to to see um luca and how he goes through this because one of you know let's go with porzingis one of his big complaints about luca was luca just like had the ball all the time um and that didn't really change with him there but porzingis isn't a ball handler um uh Brunson didn't have the ball all the time. Um, and I don't think Kyrie will have the ball over time. Here's the problem, though, is that this helps in their defense in no way, shape, or form, and they were already terrible. So I, I don't yeah. know how this will make them a playoff team unless they make another move. I just don't see how they can, unless they trade Christian Wood. I just don't see how the Mavericks can <laughs> make another move right now. Yeah. And like, I mean, who's trading for Christian Wood and giving up defense? Like that's, right. that's just not like what teams are wanting to do heading into the playoffs right now. I think, I think you can draw a comparison between Christian Wood and Montrez Harrell for the Clippers uh, when he was doing some crazy things. He was a six man of the year candidate doing some awesome things next to Lou Williams. But when it came down to it, those guys were not playoff players. And I I don't get the sense that Christian Wood is going to be a playoff player. So Teams just don't trade for guys like that and give up their playoff players, which I think is what Dallas is hoping for. But you're right. I mean, they are going to have to outscore everybody. There's no way they're going to play defense. And when you give up your best defender in Finney Smith and you give up a really like big defender in Spencer Dinwiddie on the perimeter, it makes things harder. Like Kyrie's, what, 6'1", 6'2", 6'3", but kind of plays small, isn't mm-hmm. necessarily a big dude. Like, if you always have 
that kind of player out there. And then you need floor spacing. Like Luca might play the four for them and they'll have a, a center next to them. There's, there's a lot of lineups where they are just going to get cooked, just absolutely filleted defensively. And like Denver, for that reason, I don't think is going to have much of an issue with them. But like the games will be 135 to 130, but Denver's probably going to have the 135 more often than not. What I'm curious about is that it got leaked that potentially the Suns offered Chris Paul and Jay Crow. Yeah. What, who knows what's real because as someone as a veteran of this sort of thing people get there's offers and then there's just like uh a team asking you about uh, some players and you don't follow through with it i mean it's it's, it's all comes out in the wash in the end especially if it doesn't happen but um i'm very curious about that because because you know it, the West is uh, what uh, I don't know if it was you or someone else had coined the phrase the Midwest, but it is uh, it is the absolute win. And, you know, the the Nuggets used to play in the Midwest division, believe it or not. But um, uh, but there is a there is a just it's so it's it's weird this year. Um, none of the teams are particularly excellent. Uh, I don't even I think the Nuggets are even not. You know, I wouldn't call the Nuggets excellent. I think they're great on offense and getting there on defense, but it's just like it's not like to the level of what you're used to seeing dominance at, particularly like, you know, the Golden State Warriors of the past. So it's been a very weird thing to watch this year, and no team out West thinks they're out of it. So if you're previewing the trade deadline, do you think that there's more West Western Conference teams that are going to be looking at the landscape thinking, well, if we just get that one piece, we can vault ourselves up to towards the top um, because the, the Western conference is not that great this year. I think a lot of teams have to see it that way, right? Like with the way that the Memphis Grizzlies have kind of fallen apart over the course of this last month or so, Denver's the one team that everybody's like, okay, that's, that team's going to be there. That team's going to be a strong team, but I don't think anybody is, I don't think anybody's afraid of Denver from the from the landscape of oh we can't beat that team. There's right. no way we can beat that team. Right. I think they would see Denver as a challenge, Jokic as a challenge, and mm-hmm. and that's going to be like I don't know if you're the Warriors for example. I don't know how you think like oh we can't beat Denver this year. Mm-hmm. Like I there's there's going to be a lot of teams that that kind of think that the Suns for example if they come up to a conference finals against Denver. I think they think that they can beat Denver. So it's all about putting yourself into a position where you could be on the other side of that matchup, where you can get to that place where all you need is a puncher's chance to really get past what I think a lot of them see as a pretty good matchup for them. Now, is that going to happen? I don't know, but I think that's why you see the Clippers, the Warriors, the Suns, all three of those teams specifically, and the Mavericks, I I think, kind of fall into this category too, where they're trying to fill out this arms race against each other and make sure that they elevate themselves over Memphis, over New Orleans, over Sacramento, over whoever in this Midwest. And if you are putting yourself into a position where you could get to that conference finals, then anything could happen at that point, because I don't know. What if Michael Porter goes down? What if Jamal Murray goes down? Or what if Nikola Jokic turns an ankle? Like it really feels like Denver is the leader in the clubhouse, but they're not like the Warriors of yesteryear, where those teams were just seen as unbeatable. 
you know it's interesting because i i i there's just like you look at candidates for trades phoenix is one of the big ones that i thought would be making a big time move and they still know, might by the way they might we've got two days as of this recording to the trade deadline and in the second half of the podcast we're going to be previewing the nuggets and stuff like that for the trade deadline but uh as far as this goes there's like phoenix um the Lakers still haven't made a move. I don't know what they can make. No one seems to want Russell Westbrook's uh, expiring deal, um, which is tells you something. I'm shocked, man. <laughs> I just can't believe it. <laughs> um, and the Warriors are the ones who I think are stuck. They they really can't do anything. And I just don't see what the Warriors can do. They are kind of stuck in this arrested development till Steph gets back. Um the Kings are the one you look at where you're like, okay, this team probably is the illusion. I mean, they're, they've been playing good this year, but no one below them sees the Kings as a, as a legitimate threat. Um, sorry. Everybody to talks any... about the Kings. Yeah. Uh, well, everybody talks about the nuggets specifically, the way that they should be talking about the Kings where, oh yeah, but can they defend? Can they do anything? Well, we've actually seen Jokic and Murray and guys like that lock in defensively in the playoffs, but you've yeah. never seen that from DeMontis Sabonis and, De'Aaron Fox and guys like that. So, like, what are we talking about here? <laughs> well, they should be looking at that like this. Like, okay, well, the Kings are what currently third. So, yeah. if you're if you're looking at that, you're thinking like, okay, I can get past this. So there there are. I mean, even the Kings could make a trade. I mean, they could deal Harrison Barnes, and it's just there are ways you can get better. Um, and I'm curious to see how the West, and I, mean, I don't care about the East, to be quite honest with you. And and in fact, I, th- I think the Nuggets are fully capable of beating most of the teams out East. Um, the, I think my view is the Philly game was kind of an illusion because they basically fell apart after a, a certain coach decided that uh, having Tucker on Jokic was the insurmountable change that no one could possibly <laughs> overcome. So it was very <laughs> weird. That game was very, very weird. So, so we'll, we'll just leave that at that, but there, but you know, outside of that, I just, the, the, the West is just not, not very good. And I am looking at Phoenix. I'm looking at uh, the Kings. I'm looking at the Lakers, uh, specifically as teams now that Dallas has done this as teams that could make a move to try to get better, to vault them up into the upper echelon of the Western conference. I think I'd add the Clippers to that too. I, yeah, I think that too. they're pretty serious about getting Fred Van Vliet and with the way that their point guard situation is right now, like I think they're starting Terrence Mann, and Terrence Mann's really good and they'll probably try to hold on to him too, but uh, they've just, I mean, they've got their wings. Everybody knows about their wings and they've got Zubach and they probably need another big in order to really match up with Denver. But there's a lot of these teams where you just, you add one specific piece to them and it suddenly becomes a little bit more challenging, a little bit more of a toss up series, as opposed to like, I, I was worried about Kyrie going to the Lakers personally, just given that you have Kyrie LeBron and Anthony Davis and like, you know that Anthony Davis could outplay Jokic in a playoff series. Like, it's a possibility. I'm not mm-hmm. saying that it's likely. And mm-hmm. I think that with the way that Denver set up, it probably wouldn't happen. But could it? Yeah. And so, like, we've, we've seen it before. So I, I think that Denver, like, they're, they're going to have to be aggressive. And they should be aggressive in, in trying to get those last that last piece or two that would really help elevate them. And because if you just sit on your laurels, then another team is going to add somebody that really puts that matchup into doubt. 
Absolutely. Okay, well, uh, we're going to take a break here. And then on the other side of the break, we're going to talk about uh, the Nuggets and obviously the swirling bone silence situation and uh, what the Nuggets can do. Um, but first, I'm going to talk to you about Blanchard Family Wines, located between 18th and 19th and Blake and Wazee in beautiful lower downtown Denver, Colorado. Just a couple blocks away from Coors Field, right in the middle of the dairy block. They are always online at bfwcolorado.com. Uh, I was just actually at well, uh, Blanchard Family uh, Wines with a uh, colleague of ours, Kip Wilson, and we were uh, just kind of talking. It's a great place to just kind of meet people, to be honest with you. It was a great vibe in there. Um, great wines, great wines to sip uh, uh, like during the middle of the afternoon is what we did right there. So uh, they got reds, they got whites, they got Rieslings, they got, you know, every, anything, anything you need. A lot of local Colorado wines and um, most of uh, Blanchard's own wines come from Sonoma County, California. Um, uh, I would try the Cabernet and the uh, blend, the Blake Street blend. You also have a good Pinot, but it's currently not in stock, but hopefully it'll get there soon. Once again, they're located between 18th and 19th and Blake and Wazi, beautiful lower downtown Denver, Colorado, just a couple blocks away from Coors Field, right in the middle of the dairy block. They're always online at bfwcolorado.com. Uh, they're on Facebook, it's easy for me to say, and Instagram under Blanchard Family Wines. When you go in or you talk to them, tell them Jeff Morton from CSG Podcast sent you there. All right, we're going to talk about the outlook for the Denver Nuggets at the trade deadline. Uh, of course, there's the Bones Island thing swirling around. We don't we don't know what the Nuggets are going to do or if they will do anything, to be quite honest with you. They don't have a lot of pieces to trade. Um, they've got most of their first round picks tied up. Um, so it's not as if the nuggets can make anything earth shattering happen. Uh, so when you view the trade deadline right now, what, what is your view on the Denver nuggets? Yeah, I think for everybody, the, the most important thing to understand is the contract situation for Denver. Uh, they do not have a lot of matching salary to be able to throw out there. They have their starters, which I don't think that they really want to touch. And even a guy like Michael Porter, who I, I think is is caught up in trade rumors because of the contract sometimes, I don't really think that they want to move him either. I think they feel pretty comfortable with the situation that they're in, with the situation that he's in. And, and I think he's played himself into keeper status, and that's great. Uh, I think Bruce Brown is their next largest contract that's $6.4 or so. And that's just not a lot. And also, like, they like Bruce Brown. They want to keep Bruce Brown. So the next one after that is Ish Smith at four and a half million or so. So if you just kind of go by it logically, there there are certain players on the trade market, like a Boyan Bogdanovich or a Fred Van Vliet or somebody of that nature, that these are 18 million, 20 million, just in that general vicinity. Denver just can't match that for a lot of these teams. Now, they do have a $9 million traded player exception, so they can they have a little bit of flexibility with it. But I'm, I'm looking at this trade deadline as Denver trying to get the final piece to their bench lineup, not necessarily do anything crazy where they really add somebody that, that changes the structure of the team. They have their structure of the team. It's, it's really just kind of figuring out the bench right at the end. And I don't really think they need it. And it, but you, you could always make that argument because obviously they're the chase right now. There are four games up on, on the Grizzlies who at, in, at any moment could implode. Um, <laughs> we didn't talk about the Grizzlies and their issues right now, but apparently yeah. our good friend Shannon Sharp basically started their descent into, uh, 
<laughs> to Point, pointing lasers at people now, Jeff. Like, yes. I mean, I, I, I don't get it, man. Like, it's it's not that deep. This isn't that serious. <laughs> like, what are we doing? <laughs> it's insane. And then, but that's what you get with the, and, and then the, the Grizzlies could be an example. And you get this through NBA history of young teams that over, like, way, way, outshoot their projection in there in the in a year and then you get up to expectation and it doesn't take much for a young team to backslide because they don't have enough veterans on the squad they don't have any of these people who are able to lift them up and without steven adams out there to kind of be that steadying force they just kind of descended into oblivion here in a way that you just you know you weren't expecting with them but we're not talking about that um i don't think the nuggets really need quote unquote anything uh you should always be looking to get better the bone situation is interesting um there have been conflicting reports happening and i think some of it has to do with some cya on uh the nuggets part some of it is uh basically bracing for a non-deal should it happen um and we don't know because you know quite frankly bones doesn't have a tremendous amount of trade value right now that i'm sure there are people who would be interested but is there any other teams that will be give, willing to give denver a first round pick for bones highland even though he hasn't played much for the last five games uh and has basically just been out of the rotation I don't know. I mean, I, 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 if I'm a GM and maybe I take a, a flyer on that, but I mean, he is a bit of a, uh, um, you know, I, I, I told someone once, and this is, this is an old reference here, Ryan. So prepare yourself. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> I, if you, did you listen to JJ Reddick's podcast with uh, bones? Yeah. Okay. He said his idol the guy he modeled his game after was was hot sauce from and one mixtape and as soon as i heard that i'm like oh my god i got it got it makes sense okay <laughs> 100% and i don't know how this will fit on this nuggets team and i don't necessarily think they can bully it out of him like they did with mike i just, i don't think they can do that i think that i i think that bones needs the ball in his hand and he needs to be a guy who shoots from 35 feet otherwise i don't think he's going to produce and you've seen it we've seen it with jamal in the lineup and i think the nuggets are kind of stuck right now they unless they trade him i don't think they could put him back in the lineup so now that i've ranted a little what are your thoughts on that yeah i so here's the thing i think that Nuggets fans and and the Nuggets themselves should be thankful for what Bones did last year because of of what he did as a rookie. He was the second most exciting part of Denver's season the entire year. The first most exciting being Jokic doing the the, uh, follow-up to his MVP season and just putting Mm -hmm. the team on his back. It was crazy. But I think Bones was the second most exciting part of that and the, the thing that gave Nuggets fans the most hope. And that's a that's a big deal in the season that they were, which was very purgatory filled. But as you get Murray back, you get Porter back, you trade for a couple veterans, uh, you make sure that the team is stacked and ready to go for a championship run. The tenor of the team changed, and Bones didn't really. Like Bones was still very much 
wanting to play his game and, and his game doesn't necessarily line up with what the Nuggets need. They need somebody who runs the bench, who puts them into a position where they can succeed, who makes sure that the ball is going in the right direction as opposed to rejecting the screen every time the screen every time and trying a step back three from 30. Like it's really tough. And and I don't think that he has grown his game the way the Nuggets would have hoped. He looks like exactly the same player and he's making fewer shots at the rim this year. And that's, that's a problem. But I think what teams will see is they'll, they'll see a six man type. They will see a player like a Jamal Crawford, like a Lou Williams, Jordan Clarkson, et cetera. And then potentially having the potential to, to be more than that. Like I don't see it as the other way around where teams see a star that could be a six man. They, they see a six man that could be a star if all goes right I'm not sure teams want to go out of their way to trade for a guy like that, though. I mean, we I mentioned Montrez Harrell earlier. Lou Williams in that same breadth of a player that doesn't necessarily fare well in the playoffs. Bones is very much like that, where he's going to get played off the court. And I think the Nuggets know that. I think that's why they've committed to Christian Brown the way that they have. And I think that Denver at this stage is trying to come up with the right formula with that bench unit but they still need somebody who can create off the dribble. It can't just be Jamal all the time. It can't just be Bruce Brown all the time. So if bones could be that in small doses, then great. He doesn't want that. He just does not want to do that. So it's tough. They're, they're in between a rock and a hard place. And I think the best thing for all parties is to bite the bullet, make a trade to a rebuilding team where bones can play 25 plus minutes a night and just continue to play his game the way that he wants to while Denver gets somebody that helps them now. I think, I think that's basically where they're going to have to land because I mean, not every, I mean, if people, I mean, I'm, I put this tweet out on, on Twitter a couple of days ago and I, and it's true. And some of it is my own frustration due to, let's see, 2009 is when I started Denver stiff. So basically from 2009 to 2013, it's I did one irrevocable pattern with Nuggets fans and most NBA fans is that they get overly attached to their young players. Right. And when you're in a championship window, they are the most expendable players, be it draft picks, be it rookies, um, be it be you need people who are going to be on your roster who help your team. Christian Brown is on this roster because he's one of those high floor players that that contending teams need. You need Alex Caruso's, you need Christian Browns, and you you need players like that who are high floor, don't necessarily provide the 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 ceiling raising dynamics of the best players, but they they give you the foundation. Um, Bones is not a high floor player. He's a low floor player and a very high ceiling player. And that, and then those guys just don't get the time to develop on a championship window contending team. You just don't see it. And unless they want to chuck him to the G league um, and uh, have him, which was not going to go over well, you're just not going to get any yeah. development from him. So you they are stuck. You are absolutely stuck. And I mean, I, as people know on this, this podcast, I'm not exactly cheerleader number one for michael malone but i do believe he is kind of in a in a difficult position here you you want a dynamic uh and exciting player to play but you can't because 
that bench unit with him and Jamal out there was atrocious. It was awful. And Bones gave you absolutely nothing with Jamal out there with him. So what do you do? You can't have a minus out there. You might rather have Christian Brown. So if I'm Calvin Booth, I say I'll take a second round pick. And we we just gotta we gotta move on. Yeah, it's tough. It's gonna be a tough pill to swallow for Nuggets fans. I think if I were them, I would be shooting for a similar young player that helps them a little bit more. Uh, just because uh, it, it could be a Sadiq Bay or somebody like that, or mm-hmm. a Precious Achua from Toronto, somebody who I think Denver could continue to develop along like like a Bones, but somebody who may be a little bit more flexible, more amenable to what the Nuggets culture is, what they want to uh, do consistently, which I mean, whether those guys would actually do that or not, I don't know. But to me, Denver's got to get guys that are willing to be good and not great. Like Because Bones has that high ceiling, as you talked about. But the problem that you run into is he's going to be involved in a lot of 10 to 2 runs. A couple of them will go for the Nuggets. A lot of them will go for the opposition because right. of the volatility that you're talking about. And playoff teams just can't deal with that, man. They just they just can't. Right. And it, it's it, it, aside from Bones, I don't really see. I mean, this is just me. <clears throat> I haven't heard anything about this. I'm just I'm just throwing it out there. I just don't see how. Until we get to the offseason, I just don't see how the Nuggets can alter any any the dynamics of the roster very much. I mean, obviously, this offseason, Bruce Brown is probably going to opt out. You know, Jeff Green's not going to be on the books anymore. DeAndre Jordan's not going to be on the books anymore. There's going to be some different volatility here that the Nuggets can exploit. Who knows what uh, uh, they're going to do with Bruce Brown. Um, If Michael Malone has his way, I'm sure he would, you know, be signed in long term right now. So, but there is a there's a there's a dynamic that changes in the offseason. But right now during the season, I just I just don't see it unless they deal Bones or Zeke, um, and they deal them both with a second round pick to get like a solid rotation piece. Uh, just I just don't see what the Nuggets can do. Yeah, and that's fine. Like. I think they like this mix. They they like the group that they have. And there's no reason, like I, I mentioned this in the previous segment that look, Denver should try to be aggressive. They should try to find that final piece. If you can't, I don't think it changes the fact that they should still be the favorites to come out of the West. Like yeah. this group is really good, but it's built off of their starting lineup and Bruce Brown. And like having those six guys that you're probably going to play each of them at least 30 minutes during the during the postseason, you don't need to have a whole heck of a lot around that. It's just filling in the gaps. And I think Christian Brown does that. I think Zeke Naji does that. Vlaco does that. Jeff, I'm a little bit worried about. Like I, I think uh, yeah. that he has just slowed down so much over the course of these last couple of months that it's tough. Like I I think they're in a pretty tough situation with him. The injury that he had to his hand uh that allowed Vlaco to play. I think that actually showed Denver that hey, you you can you can do better. You can you can do better. But mm-hmm. with the way that they impact the locker room, which you hear about a lot, Michael Malone has made sure to reference that a lot lately. Mm-hmm. Uh, you you don't necessarily want to rock the boat in some of these situations. So I don't know. Like I think Calvin has to be 
he has to be cutthroat in this. Like you can't just go into that knowing that you're going to keep the veterans uh, just because of their veteranness. Like you have to improve your team. Yeah. And look, di- locker, locker room dynamics are a mean a ton. Look at uh, say Steven Silas coaching the, uh, <laughs> coaching the Houston Rockets who w- basically looks like he wants to die every All single the time. game. All the time. It's unbelievable. That dude, I feel so bad for Silas because I, I would not want to be saddled with Jalen Green and uh, even Eric Gordon, like who who is a who was a functional veteran that has just turned into just a a complete husk of what that was supposed to look like. So uh, he's been beaten and broken down. I get it. Is Kevin Porter Jr. still there too? So yeah, he's been injured for a while, but yes. I mean, like imagine that locker room. Oh my God, it sucks. <laughs> it's like, there's no culture. Like there's just nothing. There, there's nothing you can hang your hat on. So, and, you, and your locker room's filled with a bunch of gunners. And it's like, it's it's like, how do you coach that? I mean, and then you look at the nuggets and everything comes filters from Jokic down, you know? And it's not, it's not a, a bashing of bones to say this because uh, as you read this quote to me about Michael Porter Jr. Very much supporting Bones Highland. He has yeah. support. Um and it's it's not about i mean everyone who's met bones likes him he's a very very gregarious uh kid and i think that that part is is great no one doubts that sort of thing but when it comes to the lot comes to play on the court it, it just doesn't it just doesn't match and i think and I, people have i i have not don't mean to overly focus on that but it's the only piece that i can see the nuggets even attempting to deal right now and i don't even know if they're going to do that so uh we're they're kind of stuck um as far as deals go but as far as being a favorite yeah they should be the favorite because it is the midwest (laughs) (laughs) there's not much below them and that's that's the thing like you just have to have the best player in the series most of the time and I think Jokic constitutes that. I think that last year against Steph Curry, I think that Steph was the best player in the series. He just played a little bit less than uh, than he than he usually would because he was coming off of that injury. He came off the bench, but he was still just just unbelievable that series. I right. think that Jokic though, he's learned a little bit. He he's putting himself into a position where there, there's a lot of pressure on him, but he's a guy that I just think is going to deliver. And then you get a couple of extra pieces around him and, and suddenly you're cooking. So I think that Denver should be considered the favorite. I still think that if I were them, I would want to add one more guy uh, just that Michael Malone trusts and can throw in there for 20 to 25 minutes a night if necessary, because right now you've got six and maybe Christian Brown is seven. But uh, to me, like, I'm not sure what to do with Vlaco, Zeke, Jeff and DeAndre. Like that's just, it's just a tough quartet to really figure out, you know. Definitely. Okay. Before I let you go, um, you're you've been on the injured list. So during this time in your convalescence, uh, have, what have you been watching? Oh, that's that's a good. Uh, so I've been I've been watching The Last of Us like everybody else. It's mm-hmm. just been unbelievably fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I just watched a what was initially a really good uh, kind of mini series called Lockwood and co that kind of spiraled towards the end of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, very much. A, it's on Netflix. It's, it's a kids kind of like teen kind of thing, but yeah, uh, that was, that was interesting. Um, my brother, 
my brother and I have been watching a cartoon, an adult cartoon called Vox Machina uh, on mm-hmm. Amazon Prime, yeah. which is hilarious. I love <laughs> that kind of humor. It's it's just extremely sarcastic and crude and unbelievably funny. Uh, what about you? Do I need to do I need to look out for anything? Uh, well, I've been watching the latest season of Jack Ryan. Um, Andrew Andrew Boley, a Nuggets fan, uh, is, who I've known for a while, is one of the writers on that uh, on that show. And uh, shout out to Andrew. Um, uh, it's very well written. Season three, very good, very good. So if you if you check out Jack Ryan on Prime, uh, it's very good. Uh, what else have I been watching? I've been watching a lot of movies. Watch a lot of movies. I watch more movies than I do TV shows, and that's definitely not. Like everyone else watches TV shows now, so I, <laughs> I, I I tend to do it. It's understandable. I mean, like everybody's got their their own preferences, and like you you have the the attention span to be able to sit down and watch a two two and a half hour movie, whatever it is. I, I don't think a lot of people do at this point. Yeah, it's weird. It's it's, it's like TikTok. That's what's happened. It's Vine and TikTok. <laughs> it's, it's like the it's world reduced. has been TikTokified. It's crazy. <laughs> it's reduced people's <laughs> attention spans. Uh, yeah. If you happen to be listening to this and are like under the age of 40, which is my most of my audience is over the age of 40. Then, you know, maybe you'd understand the TikTok reference. So, um, so yeah, so I've been doing that. So, uh, that's good. I'll, I'll, I'll check out. I mean, I, I haven't actually watched The Last of Us, so I need to do that because I did play the game. So, I, I, it, it is, it is unbelievable, Jeff. Yeah. Well, if, if it's an unbelievable as a, uh, uh, a uh, series about a fungus that uh, um, <laughs> turns people into fungus monsters. Uh, <laughs> You're a fun guy, Jeff. Just, uh, <laughs> just, just always, always, always uh, dampening a... down. Whatever it is, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> no, actually, I love that game, and it's really emotional. Did you ever play the game? Oh yeah, I played. I played both parts. Oh, you played both? I didn't play number two. I I, I, yeah. I saw some bad reviews and I stayed away from it. But well, uh, those those bad reviews are like it's it's not about they're definitely not about the mechanics or the gameplay right. or anything like that. Right, it's just right. about various story choices that were made, which I promise it's it's still good. Well, uh there's a the if you if you are looking for a game, I don't know how you do with horror games, but there's one called the the, the they remade uh dead space and uh Ooh. it's very good it is very 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 good <laughs> I'll, uh, I'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna play uh hogwarts legacy when that comes out that's oh, okay. my that's, that's what thing. i'm i'm gearing up for i uh i know a couple of people that, that you'd be surprised about what are also gearing up for hogwarts legacy i'll tell you after the pod okay <laughs> All right. Uh, I didn't even know this was a thing. So I, 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 that tells you how out of the loop I am. So uh, anyway, well, thank you all for joining uh, me. And thanks to Ryan for coming off injured reserve to, uh, to uh, despite having a sore throat to go and make me. Oh, it's horrible. <laughs> it's, it's been, it's been bad today, Jeff. I'm not going to lie. The trade deadline is breaking down my entire body. <laughs> <laughs> this is what it's done. It's like your, your, the nuggets have finally got to you. This is your nugget sickness. That's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody gets it. It's a thing. Yeah, it's a thing. All right. So thank you all for joining us and uh, I'll be back soon with another episode. Goodbye.